This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halos. Between being on Zoom calls all day, having to wear a mask everywhere, and now using your eyes and your eyes only to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite line of brow products that are so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, you can have the most amazing brows ever. They have an amazing range of products from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, and gels. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos, professional brow grooming. Be bold, be you. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Caroline. And on May 25th, 2012, the second annual Slut Walk Toronto is taking place. And we're talking about slut walks and for, I guess, a warning for those about to listen to the rest of this podcast, Caroline and I are going to be throwing around this, the word slut willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to talk about this slut walk Toronto because it is where a feminist activist movement started last spring. Right, and it was sparked by comments from a police officer. If you're familiar at all with the slut walk, you have probably read this story in the news about it. But uh, a police officer told students at York University in January of last year that women should not dress like sluts if they want to avoid getting sexually attacked. Which is so off base. I mean, I don't know if you could, uh, if there is another way to say, hey, ladies. Don't ask for it. Uh, that brings up issues of victim shaming, mm-hmm. slut shaming, as it is often called in more feminist parlance. Uh, so the some of the students in the audience listening to this questionable and sexist advice from this police officer, Michael, Michael Sanguinetti, decided to take action and organize um, an event to to march and combat this notion that women should not feel safe if they want to wear more provocative or revealing clothing with the argument that women should be safe to walk around and go places without the threat of sexual violence or rape, um, no matter what they're what they're wearing. Right. I was actually telling my roommate about this topic and about what the police officer said and that the movement was about to, was about making women feel comfortable being able to be outside in public and not feel like I'm wearing a skirt, so I'm going to get attacked. And he brought up a point that a lot of people have used to criticize this movement. And he said, well, sure. No woman shouldn't be raped for what she's wearing, but shouldn't you know better? Ah, but see, someone like Heather Jarvis, who co-founded Slut Walk um, and is also a survivor of sexual assault, would say that that's probably just an extension of the you're asking for it mm-hmm. argument. But before we get any further, um, I think it's already clear that Slut Walks and um, the, the idea behind it is controversial. And while there is a lot to be said for 
the um, the activism that these women in Toronto sparked because Slut Walks ended up in 2011 taking place in over 200 cities around the world, including the U.S., Canada, Sweden, South Africa, India. Um, so it's incredible that they've, they've had this organizing power, but the way that it has manifested in what they're championing has also attracted controversy, not just from people like the police officer who thinks that uh, women should cover up, um, but also from within feminist circles. Right. One person who supports the movement is Jessica Valenti. She's an author and founder of Feministing.com, and she wrote for the Washington Post that this whole movement is a good thing and that it is a reminder of feminism's grassroots past, and it heralds a new day in feminist organizing. She points out that maybe this movement is going to be more effective with younger women than with the well-funded and well-established feminist organizations. Yeah, and we should also point out that in addition to these marches that uh, Slut Walk has been organizing, um, Heather Jarvis and other co-organizers have demanded that um, police training and education include non-discriminatory language, increased understanding of experiences of marginalization and oppression, and practices and protocols that support, support victims and survivors. So... In, in addition to to demonstrating, they also have these um, platforms for applicable change within, um, I guess, in this situation, the York University police system. Right. And they posted on their website uh, their basically what they were requesting from the police department after this event. And they said that they really didn't get much of a response. The response that they got back from one of the PR people in the police department was sort of a generic, like, you know, we really strive to protect our citizens and we want to be seen as, you know, helping everybody. But Jarvis and others involved in this movement are arguing, you're not protecting us and you're not respecting us either. We don't feel safe going to you if you're just going to tell us that it was our fault because we wore a little dress. And beyond just the the law enforcement community, the message that Slut Walk wants to deliver to the community at large is that, quote, our worth as human beings is not determined by our sexuality. And that's just one nugget of almost a constitutional preamble of slut walk that these women have developed. But I feel like that idea of your worth um, not being conflated by your sexuality um, is really gets to the heart of what slut walk is about and in places like new delhi that held a slut walk last year uh, there there is a really um it is it is pretty impressive that an event like this is taking place yeah they did change the name uh there was an article in time magazine about the march in new delhi and they basically pointed out that it was toned down just because of cultural differences essentially they changed the name from slut walk to shameless front and they you know there was not really much of that skimpy clothing going around um but the goal was the same and it was to draw attention to the growing problems of harassment and violence that women in india face they point on the article that rape cases in the country have grown 678% over the past 30 years. They do attribute some of the change to the fact that, you know, more people are probably reporting the violence, but they attribute some of it also to the fact that there are more women out of the house and getting jobs. The economy is such that more women are becoming financially independent. And so there's sort of an upset of the traditional cultural divisions. Yeah. So whereas in um, more of the Western world, we might take for granted uh, safety when we're going to and from our jobs or from our homes to other excursions. Um, whereas in more 
gender segregated societies, um, there are direct threats of of violence for for women leaving the home. Um, and and we mentioned the, that there were none of the, the skimpy clothes in the New Delhi march, um, but that reminds me that we haven't really painted a picture of what a slut walk might look like in case listeners have not seen photos of it. That's true. Largely young women, mm-hmm. although they do, there are some men that march with them. And a lot of them are wearing bras and underwear. Yeah, the point is to wear whatever you're comfortable with, mm-hmm. but also, you know, there's clearly the provocative nature of it saying, hey, women should be able to wear bras, panties, corsets, cut off shorts, uh, whatever they want and still feel safe. So you'll see, you know, a lot of images of, of the women in bras and uh, also men <laughs> in lingerie as well. But then you'll also have put folks in sweatpants. You don't yeah. have to wear. It's just sort of the march is providing a safe space. Like, look at us. We're wearing what we're comfortable in. We're banding together in a safe space where we will not be attacked. And as a result, probably because of that provocative nature um, and because of using the word slut to get people's attention and to organize people, um, the the movement attracted a ton of media attention. And now going into 2012, we're seeing the second year um, and it'll be interesting to see how it um, how it continues, whether or not it has the same amount of participation as it did last year, which is partially why I wanted to to talk about it on the podcast, also because we've had some some listeners writing in requesting an episode on it. And we also have to talk about the fact that not everybody thinks this is a great idea. No. Uh, not only because of the word slut, not only because of the way people are dressing, but how this march, this movement, fits into larger cultural norms in our society. And uh, Valenti, who we mentioned earlier, cites Gail Dines, who's an anti-pornography activist, and Wendy Murphy, who's a victim's rights advocate, uh, who say that organizers are playing into the patriarchal hands and embracing a, quote, pornified consumer sexuality by protesting with their skimpy outfits. So they're saying, you're still inside. You're, you're protesting from within, you're still inside the whole patriarchal system of of wearing skimpy things. We're still we're still looking at ourselves through the eyes of other people. Right. It's the question of um, using the usefulness of using sexuality as a tool of empowerment, which May Aziz, writing for the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, um, writes about in a column. She's taking issue with the attitude that sexuality is power and that this movement is about letting women freely identify as sluts because um, the whole ethos of slut walk in their own words is that our worth as human beings is not determined by our sexuality and people like Aziz might argue that well isn't what you're doing simply wielding your sexuality as some kind of tool thereby you know defining yourself based on your dress and how you perform in the bedroom. Yeah, and this whole issue of claiming or reclaiming the word slut is making a lot of people angry, understandably. And Aziz says that, uh, because Jarvis, uh, Heather Jarvis, one of the co-founders, argues that reclaiming slut is like reclaiming queer. Mm-hmm. And Aziz is claiming that it's it's not the same. 
And because she says that slut can't be turned into a positive thing because it's been used to abuse people for so long. And she said that we should really be reclaiming feminist instead of slut because that's the word that people are so afraid to use. This episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by HelloFresh. Get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking fun, easy, and affordable. And while we're under a quarantine, I will say HelloFresh has so many recipes. It's been wonderful because it gets me out of my rut and I'm able to try new recipes instead of my same old, same old. And they offer contactless delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family so you don't have to have those stressful meal planning and grocery store trips. Even better, HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients means there's less prep for you and less food waste. So if you're ready to try some of the delicious food from HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off, including free shipping on your first box. That's HelloFresh.com slash MomStuff80 and use code MomStuff80 to get a total of $80 off and free shipping on your first box. Additional restrictions apply. Please visit HelloFresh.com for more details. This episode is brought to you by Quip. When's the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? With Quip's new Smart Electric Toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. The Quip Smart Brush for adults and kids connects to the Quip app with Bluetooth, so you can track when you're brushing, get tips, you can earn points, and you can redeem those points for rewards. Already have a Quip? Upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features you know and love. And beyond the brush, Quip has everything you need to build a complete routine. Equal-friendly solar battery charger to power your Quip with sunshine and the refresh bag to bring you good oral care habits everywhere you go. Plus, you can get brush head, toothpaste, and floss refills delivered from $5. And shipping is free. How smart is that? Start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today and go to getquip.com slash stuffmom right now to get your first refill free. That is your first refill free at getquip.com slash stuffmom, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash stuffmom. Quip, better oral health made simple and rewarding. Yeah, this this question of how feminism directly relates to slut walk has come up a lot as well because um, some of the the organizers have distanced themselves from that feminist language, which is kind of ironic because if you could pick two words in the English language that are polarizing, I mean, you can't get much more polarizing than slut and feminist. Um, <laughs> if you want to uh, to describe women. Uh, and Megan Murphy over at the F Word blog writes, I was hard-pressed to find anyone actually talking about feminism. And she's uncomfortable with slut being used as a way to empower women since it's a word, like you said, Caroline, that has been used so systematically to hurt and shame women. And is it the right argument? Are we arguing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I understand that the slut walk, as it's called, is is in direct response to the police officer in Toronto, his use of that word. But is it the same for everyone? Are we still arguing the right thing? And Tracy Clark Flory at Salon writes that she is tired of the polarizing rhetoric, that people are calling you either a prude or a slut, that there's no in-between, that you can't be a prudish slut, or, you know, that that you have to identify as one or the other, almost. Right, because if you if we're reclaiming the word slut to mean an empowered woman who is um, safe in her identity and um, 
can be uh, outspoken and independent and all of these all of these positive attributes then what is the opposite of that does that mean that people who might typify as more prudish who might not be so comfortable revealing a lot of a lot of flesh yeah i mean there were a lot of columnists who wrote about this who said when i read about slut walk i was totally on board with the message the idea behind it i supported these women but I don't want to call myself a slut. There, it's it's loaded. It's a loaded word, obviously. Mm-hmm. But some of the most vocal opposition to slut walk has actually come from the black feminist community that says, "Hey, slut walk, we get what you're trying to do, and the the goal, the ultimate goal of it, totally on board with that. But we we don't see ourselves anywhere in this movement, represented in this movement at all." Right. That was a statement in an open letter from black women to the slut walk on blackwomensblueprint.org. And they said that we find no space in slut walk. Slut has different associations for black women. And they write that as black women, we do not have the privilege or the space to call ourselves slut without validating the already historically entrenched ideology and recurring messages about what and who the black woman is. And so they point out that different people's histories really require a different strategy to combat this violence against women. Right. And um, a writer over at the Crunk Feminist Collective, um, who describes herself as a black woman of the hip hop generation, um, takes issue with the fact that um, the the origin of Slut Walk felt very much like the protests of privileged white girls who still have an expectation that the world will treat them with dignity and respect. Whereas... She writes, uh, and I'm again directly quoting from her, black women have always been understood to be lascivious, hypersexed, and always ready and willing. Whereas, uh, by comparison, this idea of slut walk in coming up in 2011 is somehow something new and offensive. Yeah, so they're basically saying, why would a woman of color who has been abused with that word for so long want to reclaim it? Like, how can we turn that into something positive like these marchers uh, are saying that we can? Mm -hmm. And at some point, it probably does sound like this this controversy around slut walk and the idea of reclaiming the word slut and street harassment and sexual assault boils into this, uh, you know, all this infighting in the feminist blogosphere. But I still feel like it's important to talk about because... Like it or not, whether you're on board with it or not, Slut Walk, nevertheless, does represent one of the largest, you know, almost mainstream feminist activism movements yeah. that we've seen, that I've seen at least in my lifetime. I mean, I, we've seen like marches, women's march on the Capitol, but it, but it's one singular event going to one singular place, whereas this has sparked, it's almost like the Occupy movement, sparked mm-hmm. all over these these different cities in a very grassroots kind of way. And I think that it says, because it's led by women of our generation, I think it says a lot about um, body politics, where we are with the idea of feminism and where the personal and the political meet. And a lot of times that, that sadly does, I think sadly, unfortunately, only ties into the bedroom, like sexual, using sexuality as empowerment. Well, we could also ask where they're going to take this. Right. Is this going to stay a march that happens in individual cities or is this going to become a movement? Is it going to help educate young women about their bodies, about sexual 
identity, sexual safety, anything like that? Like what what is the next step for the slut walk? Is mm-hmm. it is it going to stay the way it is or is it going to evolve? And and on that on that note, Caroline, um, just to bring up one more point about this controversy over um, inclusiveness, racial inclusiveness in Slut Walk. Uh, Robin Given, who's a fashion critic for the Daily Beast and Newsweek, says that um, because of the potential of that end goal, um, she says the reverse is also possible. It would seem to me that black women might have an even more powerful reason to want to diffuse the power of the word slut. So it's kind of moving away from this, um, I guess, more intensive examination and looking at the, the potential long view of how how it could affect women. But but still, there is this question of whether or not it is that useful to reclaim slut. Right. And for that reason, I want to get to the bottom of where slut even came from. So can you can you tell me, Woodsmith Caroline? Um, yeah, it, it's pretty old. Slut is pretty old. Uh, th- uh, this is from a live science post that popped up after the whole Rush Limbaugh birth control slut debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, they write that the word slut first showed up in print when Chaucer wrote in the 14th century that a sloppy male character was sluttish. So right away, the word is associated with people who are kind of dirty. By the 15th century, the word was being used to describe kitchen maids and sloppy, dirty women. So it took barely a hundred years for the application to switch really from men to women, and it has that low class, low economic class association. Um, and just to emphasize that, uh, old, ye old terms for, um, uh, dust bunnies, Slut bunnies and garbage bins were referred to as sluts holes. So garbage. When we're talking about when we're throwing around the word slut, it is not a nice word. No, it really is not. No, they Chaucer did not mean that that guy had a great, uh, great character or personality. (laughs) Right. And and we've mentioned Tracy Clark Flory from Salon before talking about how she was fed up with the dichotomy of slut versus prude. But then afterwards, once the whole Rush Limbaugh slut fiasco happened, she wrote another column saying, you know what? I wasn't on board with claiming this word until that happened. And she goes on to quote Leora Tenenbaum, who is the author of Slut? Growing Up with a Bad Reputation. She says the slur is used frequently by girls against other girls, and it's a way for women to displace anxiety about their own sexuality. And I... I I can kind of see where I see oh, where she's yeah. coming from. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I feel like that word was I was not even comfortable with that in college culture. I feel like that was thrown around a lot. Like, hey, slut, what's up? Mm-hmm. That it's icky. I don't I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Um, but Clark Flory does point out that reclaiming or rejecting slut is personal and it does depend on context. So it might be comfortable for some people to call their friends that for whatever reason, or to identify that because of some sexual identity, but it's not the same for everyone. I'm not going to start calling you slut anytime soon as a thank you as a fun gal pal name, Caroline. No, not unless you want to get in a slap fight. Okay. That's for sure. Um, Clark Flory also quotes Bikini Kill's Kathleen Hanna, who performed on stage with the word written on her stomach, and she she 
quoted Hannah, who said that this whole displaying the word so prominently on her body in large letters would be like holding up a mirror to the men who were already looking at her picture and thinking that. So like, oh, you think I'm a slut up here on stage? Well, here you go. Here, yeah. Yeah, have fun. Have fun. I've already called myself one. So when, you know, you try to label me as one, it's just going to be pointless. Yeah. Because I've already done it. Um, but really, as Clark Flory emphasizes, the difficulty of reclaiming slut is that it's so divisive and it is so hard to define. It mm-hmm. is used by some some people as a casual, what's up? This is funny. You're, hey, hey, slut. Hey, <laughs> you don't sound content. Take, take that paper to the slut's hole. Oh, Actually, no, no one ever says that. No, no one ever does. <laughs> um, whereas for other people, it is used as a slur to right. say, to, to point out um, a woman in particular who may have slept with someone who was not her betrothed. This episode of Stuff I Never Told You is brought to you by Catan. This summer looks a lot different than most. We're staying at home for the most part, and many events we usually look forward to are canceled. We find ourselves looking for new activities to enjoy at home. Catan is a board game for three to four players ages 10 and up, although many younger kids can play with initial adult guidance. It's a great way to keep families engaged and off screens, even if it is just for a little while. And those opportunities are hard to come by. Unlike the roll your dice, move your mice games, this is a little different. What are your experiences? The first time I played Catan was at our office game night, and it was so fun. It was quick to pick up. It was easy. It was social. We made it really competitive because we're a competitive group, but you don't have to. And what I thought was just going to be a, a short game among friends turned into an epic game night that we shall remember forever. <laughs> hours we played, hours. And uh, yes, I lost, but I had fun. You had fun. <laughs> well, obviously, it keeps you really social. And like you said, it is really easy to pick up, which is really nice right now. This year is the 25th anniversary of Catan. Get Catan at catanshop.com slash mom. Listeners of the podcast get 10% off the original base game Catan by using the promo code mom at checkout. Offer not good on other Catan titles or merchandise. This episode is brought to you by Arches and Halo. Between being on video calls all day, having to wear masks everywhere, and now using our eyes and only our eyes to smile at people, it feels like the main thing people notice now are our eyes. Arches and Halos is our favorite brow products that is so easy to find, pick up, and with a few quick steps, have the most amazing brows ever. They have professional quality products at the perfect price point. Celebrity makeup artists use Arches and Halos because of how well done the formulas are, and they are half the price of department store brands. They have eight color shades to choose from, everything from sunny blonde to auburn to charcoal. Everyone is represented. They cater to women and men of all brow shapes and sizes. Embrace your natural brow. And they're all about individuality. Brow tools for all looks and style needs. You can use for dramatic or natural look. They have an amazing range of products, too, from tweezers, razors, pencils, pomade, mousses, gels, all kinds of things. Find Arches and Halos on your next trip to Target and Walgreens. Arches and Halos Professional Brow Grooming. Be bold, be you. Or one columnist pointed out, and I mean, I I feel like this is common knowledge and, and a lot of women have experienced this, but you can be called a slut for anything. Yes. If you if you have sex with someone, if you don't have sex with a particular someone, mm-hmm. if you wear something that is too short in someone's mind. Right. So it can be used to abuse all sorts of women. And men. And men. That's true. For instance, author Alice Walker takes a more positive 
view of the word slut. Uh, she said that I always understood slut to mean a woman who freely enjoys her own sexuality. The spontaneous movement that has grown around reclaiming this word speaks to women's resistance of having names turned into weapons against them. Which, I mean, I think that's not a bad idea. Sure. Absolutely. You should try to um, declaw things that are used to abuse you. Mm -hmm. But I just don't, I I don't know if I, I support the idea. I don't support the word. Um, And, you know, I asked earlier where you think this is going, uh, how you think it'll evolve. And Anita Sarkeesian over at Feminist Frequency said that, yes, the word has garnered a lot of attention for the movement, but she points out that attention is not typically about violence against women at all, but instead about how women should or shouldn't dress, which is a completely regressive conversation that does not help anti-violence activism. So people are talking about their clothes, they're marching in their bras, they're saying, rightfully so, I should be safe in whatever I wear, but should the attention evolve beyond that. Yeah, I mean, that's my big question of whether or not it is affecting the cultural change necessary to make women safe, not only just on the streets, but also in situations like acquaintance rape, Mm -hmm. which is the most common form of sexual assault for women on college campuses, where this whole thing began. Right. How are, are these parades, are these marches, are these you know, these these online and grassroots movements really getting into people's brains beyond just the feminist blogosphere and the people who are marching in their bras or in sweatpants. Um, and that's something that uh, and that's something that Salamisha Tillett writing for The Nation says um, in order for it to be more than a passing fad, it has to become a healthy marriage of substance and spectacle, a movement that builds on the anti-rape activism of black women. And that's the thing. Slutwalk did a great job with the spectacle. They got attention, not just within feminist circles, not just within college groups, but beyond into mainstream media organizations. And that is incredible. But you've got to have the substance there as well. And I think that 2012 will be a crucial year for them to do that and see whether or not they will have made progress beyond um, making signs and uh Wearing garter belts. Exactly. So we applaud we applaud what the 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 ethos behind slut walk, but I think that there is a reason why it's controversial and I think that it's good that these kind of debates have come up because I think that um that that we should re examine our motivations for it and how we can really make the streets safe because that's something that I'm not gonna argue against at all. Yeah. <laughs> So I think that's all we got to say about slut walk. Yeah. Now let's hear from you. Are you offended by the word? Do you identify with the word? Have you participated in a slut walk? Let us know. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your emails. And speaking of safety, we've got a couple emails here in response to our episode on potty politics. This is coming from Carly. Who writes, as a gender non-conforming person who is constantly confronted with many issues brought up, I thought I should write in. I happen to be a tall, female-bodied person with short hair who wears very gender-neutral clothing. While I could probably pass well enough to use the men's room, I always choose to use the women's room, even if there is a line. Every time the need comes up, I consider my options. Sometimes my thought is, I'm technically female, so I should stick with the people 
I know I'm technically allowed, but more often my thought is any hassle I've received in the women's room will be verbal and probably not physical, whereas the men's room is an unknown quantity. And hassle is exactly what I get for all of my efforts and consideration. About a third of the time, I'm confronted by other women, sometimes just in surprise or confusion, sometimes in downright anger at my trespassing on a woman's only space, and each time I politely explain that I am actually female. To this, I receive everything from pure embarrassment and apologies to continued hostility. And another third of the time, I get stares, whispers behind my back, or women pulling their children closer to them. To these, I usually try to smile politely, avoid eye contact, and get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. The last third, I thank the baby Jesus that I ended up in the bathroom alone. Most of the time, I try to avoid using public restrooms at all costs. When it is unavoidable, I try to be as quick and unobtrusive as possible. Most of the time, the stares and comments are minor but constant annoyance. Occasionally, however, I end up in situations where I definitely feel like my appearance is putting me in actual danger, all for the sin of breaking the illusion of a meaningful dichotomy between sexes in this apparently sacred place. Occasionally, however, I end up in situations where I definitely feel like my appearance is putting me in actual danger, all for the sin of breaking the illusion of a meaningful dichotomy between sexes in this apparently sacred place. I've been thinking about this a lot more since I've recently moved to the South from California to go to grad school and have been introduced to the whole new level of anxiety that is a small-town gas station. I think it might be time to just pull on a trucker hat, venture to the men's room, and hope for the best. This email is from Jessie, also about our uh, bathroom podcast. She said, I am a lesbian woman more on the butch side. I can't remember a time when I wasn't a tomboy and have had multiple instances in my life where I've been in the women's bathroom and another woman will come in, look me up and down, and give me a questionable look. One time the woman actually walked out to make sure she didn't make a mistake. I've actually gotten scolded once or twice for being in the wrong bathroom, which is pretty degrading when you're a woman and know the symbol for women's room. I know what bathroom I'm in. I have actually had to give my best modeling pose that shows off my boobs to get out of the situation. I personally think that unisex bathrooms are the way to go. Not only do they allow for potentially shorter lines, but they also prevent embarrassing or otherwise ostracizing situations that can potentially be damaging to someone's self-esteem, especially if you don't look like the stereotypical woman or man. Having gendered bathrooms just adds more separation and definitions in a world that is already full of them, which inevitably leads to stereotypes and judgments. If I always had a unisex bathroom to go into, there would never be any questions, comments, or looks, and I would always be able to pee in peace. Thanks, Jesse. And thanks to Carly as well and everyone else who has written in. Momstuff at discovery.com is where you can send your letters. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And if you'd like to see what we're up to during the week, you should have, head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hi, I'm Amy Nelson. And I'm Sam Edis. We're the hosts of iHeart's newest podcast, What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We both have our own businesses, and between us, we have seven children. And since the moment we met, we've been sharing our stories with each other. The thing is, we all know the stories of industry titans like Bezos and Jobs, but the stories of women, they remain incomplete. We ask questions no one else even touches. We are not afraid to get personal. So listen to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In this time of pandemic and revolution, do you find yourself frustrated? 
at high levels of corruption and inequality, at our inability to get basic things done, at the persistence of systemic racism, you're not alone. I'm Baratunde Thurston, author, activist, and comedian. Our democratic experiment is at a tipping point, but which way we tip is up to us. Listen to How to Citizen with Baratunde on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.